Good morning. Real quick, there's no other break here, so you may do your thing. All right. Good morning. It is good to be with you. Uh, it's a privilege to be able to uh, be together this morning. We're going to be in Mark 1, but before we get there, um, I want to tell you just a quick, quick story I've been thinking about this week. Um, I was never a natural student. Um, I loved school because of the social aspect. I excelled at things like being in clubs and going to football games. I didn't necessarily do very well in math and science. And so going into my junior year, it was the year for chemistry and trigonometry. And as I was thinking about it and talking to counselor and my mom, I'm sure, uh, the thought was probably should do summer school. Take one of these during the summer so that we can focus on it and it won't be as difficult the next year. Well, I, I signed up and both of those classes were full. And so in a moment of just saying, well, at least getting one more thing off my plate, I took a U.S. history with Mr. Hess at Ventura High School. And uh, I thought, nah, you know, I'm a little better at this kind of class, um, but it should be fine. We'll summer, do it for a few hours, and then move on with my life. And I remember the very first day I sat in Mr. Hess's U.S. history class that it was a very different experience than I had ever had um, at school. The way he taught from, first, from the first moment, the first day, there was something gripping about the way he told stories. I remember throughout that summer, there would be many times that during the break or after class, I would just stay there and talk to him. As he brought to life parts of our history as a nation that were at times very difficult for me to understand, especially when we got to the Civil War and slavery, I remember back when there were bookstores, going to a bookstore and, and getting books and reading more. I, he, he taught in a way that was just completely different than anything I had ever experienced. This morning in Mark 1, we are going to have a very similar environment. We're going to read about a group of people who showed up week after week, year after year to the synagogue, and they were used to a normal way of, of understanding the faith a normal way of experiencing church. And then Jesus shows up. And it was something they'd never heard before. And it gripped them and it changed them. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So if you have your Bible, we'll be in Mark chapter 1. Starting in verse 21. Would you please stand with me as we read the Word of God? Mark 1, verse 21. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You may have a seat. 
It was really, really great of Greg to give me a verse with an evil spirit coming out of a demon-possessed man. So let's just get that out there. Thanks, Greg. Um, but I have to tell you, being in this text the last week of my life, it's, it's been a journey. I mean, there were moments where I read it and, and I was convinced that maybe this whole thing is about evil spirits and so we need to figure out how to have a message on that. But the more and more I sat with this, I believe that the verses that we just read together and the verses that we'll look at this morning together have everything to do with the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. Right? So you and I know how this story goes. So sometimes we have to remember where we're meeting Jesus in this text. We have to remember that this is really new. Jesus has been baptized. He only has four disciples at this moment. And one of the first kind of public places he goes is to the synagogue, to the place of worship. And, he, and we find him in this synagogue with four disciples at the very beginning of his ministry. And we have this story and I want to suggest to you that in this story, is, it's about the authority of Jesus, and we see it show up in three kind of ways. The first way is this. We see that the authority of Jesus comes in words. Read with me again, verse 21 and 22. Uh, they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went to the synagogue and began to teach. And the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Okay, if we were in the synagogue system at that time, we would come to worship and the rabbis would come forward and they would speak. And they would teach from what they've learned from other rabbis. In fact, their power, their authority was as strong as the person they were quoting. Does that make sense? It's kind of like when I was in seminary, I, I, there were many times I had to write a research paper and the professors really didn't care what I thought about anything. They wanted to know what other people thought about it. So these rabbis would get up and they would quote teachings from previous rabbis. It would, be, it would back up on human kind of generations of teaching. And so when Jesus comes and brings his authority in words, we see something totally different. And right away it stands out to the people that this person who is teaching, this Jesus, he's coming straight from God. His authority is different. He's not referencing other rabbis. He's referencing the living God himself. Jesus shows up and displays his authority through his teaching. The interesting thing is in Mark, we have no idea what he taught that morning. We just know what happened because he taught. And I think sometimes this translation where we find out that Jesus taught and the people were amazed, that's a really unfortunate word for us. Because in our culture, amazement means so many different things on so many different levels, right? I am amazed sometimes at how much food my four-year-old can eat in one sitting, right? I am amazed sometimes what's been going on with the Dodgers lately, right? Like you and I can be amazed, and, and amazed can be anything from a really mild, like, oh, I'm kind of impressed by that, or I just don't understand that. The, the reality is in this text, when Jesus begins to teach and the people were amazed, it speaks to a deeply shattered, moved response, it wasn't like you and I, when we come to church and we're amazed, I'll just confess, I think for many of us, when we hear a good teaching at church and we're amazed by it, it's because somebody has said something we already believe but said it differently or in a new way. Oftentimes you and I come to church and, and we would say uh, it was a good morning because we, we heard something we already believe in but it was nuanced differently. 
I'm pretty sure that when Jesus is teaching in this scripture and they're amazed, it wasn't because they had heard it before. Sometimes I think we forget what it means to let Jesus and his teachings be the authority in our life. Because here's the deal. Jesus is not tame in his teaching. Jesus' words are not easy. His teaching is not easy. It is not user-friendly. Jesus' teaching is disruptive to the ways that you and I naturally want to live. I mean, he is the Jesus who said, love your enemies. He's the Jesus who said, you want to follow me? Sell everything you have and then follow me. He's the Jesus who says, if you really want to love me, deny your family. Deny that you come from them and follow me. He's the Jesus who says, deny your very self and follow me. Why is it sometimes that you and I struggle to allow the teaching of Jesus to mess with us? So oftentimes, we, we, we think we can wrap our hands around Jesus and his teaching and that we can understand it and that it's just something we can live very easily. And I'm just telling you, I think the complete opposite. I think that when we really look at the teachings of Jesus throughout the scripture, we find a very difficult way of living and a way that messes with us at times. One of my favorite questions that I get to ask high school students or college students is, how is Jesus messing with, with you? Right? Because if it's all making sense and it's all clicking, I have to ask the question, like, what are you, what are you reading? I remember the first time, I was 19 years old, I was at this youth workers convention. So all youth pastors and people who like teenagers and Jesus come to a big room and have a party. And they bring in different speakers. I was 19 years old. Straight out of Ventura, never really left Ventura. And all of a sudden the speaker gets up, and I've never heard of any of these people. And this man gets up to teach at this youth workers convention, and his name was Tony Campolo. See, you're all, you, there it is, right there, right? If you don't know who Tony Campolo is, a lot of people have a lot of opinions in this room about him. So I like to call Tony Pam- Campolo something like this, a really annoying prophetic voice that's either really right or really wrong. And he started to teach He started to say things about what Jesus thought about things that I had never heard of before. He started to talk about Jesus and money in a way that I had never heard growing in church. And it left me confused. And guess what? That was okay. Friends, sometimes it's got to be okay for you to show up here and be taught from the scripture and to be confused and to not like it and, and, and to be messed with a little bit. But we have a problem in our culture as as a whole, not just Lake Avenue. We have a problem that says if, if we hear something that we either disagree with or we don't like, we will just email it, our complaint in. We will just let everybody know. And my question is, I think those emails are fine, especially when we start getting into things like doctrine and some concerning areas. But the reality is this, before you email me, before you email Greg... If something is taught that is difficult, first, I would say it's probably in the Bible somewhere. So email Jesus for a little bit first. Let him talk to you. 
Friends, Jesus' words, his authority, if we really say that Jesus is the authority and we want to be amazed by him, that amazement, that authority means we are going to be disturbed at times by him. And what he's going to call us to do is going to be incredibly difficult. But it's incredibly good. And we'll get to that. I think the next section we see in this passage, Jesus shows his authority in his words, but he also shows his authority by his actions. Meet me in verse 23. It says, just then a man in the synagogue was possessed by an evil spirit, cried out, why, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly, come out of him. And the evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Okay, so this is the part, my thanks Greg part. Because I would never choose to teach on this because I'll just admit to you, I believe very deeply that there's a spiritual realm and a spiritual world. I need other people who are sensitive to that and, and express that and can see that and feel that much stronger than I can to recognize it. In fact, when Jenny and I, about seven years ago, moved up to our home, which is just two miles up the road, uh, Carrie and Gilgazanian, who are good friends of ours, and if you know Carrie, you know that she is a prayer warrior, very sensitive to these kinds of uh, spiritual realm type things. So we had Carrie and Gil come, and they anointed all the door frames with oil. We moved throughout the house and prayed each room. And we got down to the basement, and Carrie just sensed that something wasn't right there. She said, we need to spend a little more time praying here. And honestly, we just kind of logged that as interesting and prayed. I didn't sense anything. But then that Halloween, we probably had 300 people come by our house, and they were disappointed because, see, that house that we bought was the haunted house in the neighborhood. And all of her things, this woman who lived there, she stored all of her supplies in the basement, and they would come out October 1st and be up almost till Thanksgiving. She loved Halloween. See, I believe in the spiritual realm. I'm concerned about how we talk about evil in our culture. I didn't have time, but literally in the last two weeks, we have heard the word evil in the news more than any time in recent history. We, we've heard because there's a group, lots of nations and, and people, I mean, different sects within nations who look at us as Americans and say that we are this evil empire, right? So we got the Mideast thing going on. And it's not that we just absorb that. We actually say it right back. I could show you, and if you email me, I'll give them, I actually just told you not to email me, but you can email me. <laughs> Literally all four candidates for president and vice president, all four, have made a statement in the last two weeks that declares something like this, that the evil on the other side of the world, that America is the hope to rid the world of evil. Uh, Friends, read with me Ephesians 6. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Evil is real. But our battle isn't against fellow human beings. Each human being is created in the image of God. No matter where they're born, what they believe, there's a dignity to every single human. And when we experience conflict and pure evil in this world, there is something bigger going on 
than just armies against armies or politicians against politicians. And we see in this scripture who ultimately is able to bring restoration and peace to an evil spirit in an individual. And it's not the rulers of the synagogue. It's not the leaders of Rome. It's a humble teacher with four disciples who when he very speaks, even the demons know that he has power. Friends, our our battle isn't against flesh and blood. It's against the heavenly realm. And the power and authority of Jesus brings healing and restoration and peace to places of sickness, irritation, brokenness, and chaos. Jesus triumphs over evil. And Jesus alone. And Jesus is about this work that takes things that are broken and things that are sick and things that are just not right and he restores things back to the way they were intended to be. That's why I love what I do here. I love youth ministry because we get students from all different walks of life. And there's something about being in junior high and high school where your brokenness, where your sickness, where your confusion is a little more clear. And you're a little more vulnerable to share about it. Friends, I have seen literally hundreds of kids come into our ministry with all kinds of brokenness. Whether it's addictions that they have personally, whether it's their parents that have gone through a terrible, difficult divorce, whether it's death of a parent or a grandparent or a friend, whether it's they were in trouble with the law, maybe it was... I mean, I have seen it all. And time and time again, I have seen Jesus show up in people's lives. And when they are sick, he heals them and makes them better. And when they are broken, he comes in and fixes things. When they are not right, he comes in and brings his authority and his power, not just in his words, but his actions as well. Friends, the authority of Jesus Christ is more than merely words and teachings. Jesus demonstrates from the get-go that he's more than just talk. He's a God that can teach and amaze, but he's also a God who can come and heal brokenness. And Mark's just going to keep hitting this home time after time. Next week, the week after, the week after, we're going to see people who are broken, who are not right, and the power and authority of Jesus Christ comes into their life, and he makes them better. I know this from my own life. I mean, there's just no reason I should be here. I, I didn't grow up in a Christian family. I only started hanging out at church because my parents were going through a divorce. He took something that was broken, that was going one way, and Jesus showed up and changed his life. I was speaking at a camp this summer, and uh, this girl got up at the, at the night, the last night we share, and they asked me to facilitate a share time. And this girl gets up, and she starts talking about that her mom's been married three times, and her mom is set to get married a fourth time. Two, two of her stepfathers had physically or sexually abused her. Two of her previous three stepfathers. She now lives with her grandmother. Her mom can't seem to understand why she's not really thrilled about this new stepfather coming in her life. And this, her grandmother lives next door to this church in Palm Desert. And because this girl just kind of like hung out outside, the youth pastor at that church, the youth pastor at that church is a 60-year-old woman. Praise God. Befriended this girl. So this girl gets up in front of the camp and talks about this awful life that she's had. And then there's this moment where she said, but then I met Jesus. 
mean, she still carries the pain of that, but she experienced the authority and the power of Jesus' words and actions in her life, and he changed her life. The power and authority of Jesus brings healing, restoration, and peace to places of sickness, irritation, and chaos. Last aspect of authority from this text is that this kind of authority sparks, sparks a movement. Read with me in verse 27. The people were all so amazed, and they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to evil spirits, and they obey him. And then I want you to see this in verse 28. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. You and I, again, we know how this goes. But, but for a moment, try to think you don't. He's been baptized. He's got four disciples. This is one of his first public moments where he displays his power and his authority and his words and his actions. And right after this, we're going to see Jesus go on kind of like a healing rampage. I mean, he's just going to heal people and heal them time and time again. He's going to start teaching. And then we know that the news will spread about him. The religious and government authorities are going to be threatened by him. He's going to ultimately be murdered. And then he will display his power and authority again, not just in words, but in actions by being raised from the dead. And you and I are sitting in this room because at that moment in the synagogue, something took root. The power and authority of Jesus was displayed and people started talking. People started hearing and people started following. You and I are here today. Because in this passage, we read about authority that takes root. That Jesus establishes, that's the wrong one. Jesus establishes authority in both words and actions, and as a result, a movement takes root, and that movement is still going on today. Uh, My youth pastor, a guy named Dave Mahar, very um, important person in my life, Uh, there was a he didn't come from a Christian home either. He had a youth pastor of his own, a guy named Ray Johnson, who's actually a big big pastor up at a church in Sacramento. Some of you know of him. He was his youth pastor. And Ray was just hanging out at a high school in Marin, California, saw this cross-country runner named Dave, thought he was a cool-looking kid, and asked him if he wanted to come to church one night. And what ended up happening is Dave became Christian during high school. His life turned around, pretty dramatic testimony of its own. And then through college and through um, conversation, uh, Dave sensed a call to youth ministry. And he found himself as a 23-year-old at the small Presbyterian church in Ventura, California. He was my youth pastor. And in my high school years, we had a small group. And we had the privilege to have Dave be our small group leader. we, We felt really special. Let me tell you about five people in that small group. Brian Parcel, good friend of mine. All these guys were in my wedding. Brian Parcel ended up becoming um, a Methodist senior pastor. He now is a pastor down in Encinitas, big church down there. My friend Matt Prinz, after, after college at UC Davis, Matt was a missionary in Mexico for three years, came here to Fuller for a couple of years, and Matt now is a senior pastor at a church in the Silicon Valley. There's me. I work at this crazy place. Our friend Chris French. Chris was actually my small group leader one year because we didn't have enough adults in the church, so they let a high school kid be our small group leader while I was in middle school. Chris is an associate pastor at a pretty influential church in Houston, Texas. 
My friend Ryan DiGiulio, Ryan goes to this great covenant church that meets on the beach some Sundays up in Santa Barbara. He's an elder. He's 34 years old. And he's an elder of their church. And if I got into each one of these stories and we got a map out to see where these journeys took before they landed where they are today, and myself included, you would see that this movement of God is still happening today. See, when people hear about Jesus and they experience the authority of Jesus and his words and his actions, it causes us to move in a movement that started a long time ago. And my question for you this morning is, how are you doing with the movement? Are you moving it forward? I just want to give some application to each one of us. Because we can learn that Jesus' authority shows up in words and it shows up in actions and this authority sparks a movement. But what does this mean for you and I this week today? I want to suggest three things. One, that we need to allow our walk with God to have room for wrestling. I think the language of having a walk with God definitely speaks to one part of a relationship with God. I mean, when my wife and I go for a walk in the neighborhood, most of the time that's a pleasant thing, except when she's walking very fast. Like our, it speaks to an intimacy. It doesn't speak to anything that's terribly difficult. Sometimes I think we, we sell this idea that, that to follow Jesus and to walk with Jesus means that everything is just kind of a stroll and everything's great and, and I experience and know that God loves me. Uh, if you have a, I mean, let me read you Psalm 13. I say this time and time again to people in my office who are in crisis and in pain. I say, if there was no Psalm 13, I'm not sure I could do this thing called faith. Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love and my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Do you see the wrestling with the psalmist there? The psalmist who's saying to God, this does not make any sense right now. It would, it would be better for me to die than to keep on living the way I'm living now. Friends, if there is not room in your walk with Jesus for a little confusion and a little wrestling, then, then we're missing out on a full relationship. I mean, anybody here who knows who's married. I mean, my wife and I just are celebrating 10 years. And, and all 10 years, it wasn't all positive, right? It wasn't just because it's a real relationship, And a real relationship has wonderful moments, but it has difficult moments too. It has confusing moments. It has moments where Jenny and I have to sit down and remind ourselves about our past and our commitment. It has moments where Jenny and I have to sit down and try to understand what what the other intent was because it does just feels very different. A real relationship with God isn't just always positive. A real relationship with God has some wrestling in it. So when we're bothered by teaching or or we're confused by the words of Jesus, we need to be encouraged that we're in good company. We're in the company of the psalmist in Psalm 13 and several, several other psalms. Above, just leaving some room for wrestling, I want to suggest for us that we need to be living in a way that our words and actions demonstrate the authority of God to the world. 
There's a ton of studies right now about people in my generation and below and why there seems to be a bit of a drop-off in terms of church attendance. And one theme is that my generation and below looks at the church and says, that's just a whole lot of talk, but we don't see a lot of actions to follow up. I don't think that's a fair assessment. I'm not throwing that on us as a church. I think, I think, that, I think it might be fair in some ways, but I, I'm not saying that's the problem now we need to all go do. But the reality is this. You and I, to, um, to really allow Jesus to be the authority in our lives, it's not just hearing his teaching. It's what we do as a result of hearing his teaching. It's what happens outside of here. It's what happens when we come together. That's why I love this place. I can just look out among you and tell story after story about how people are putting faith and action into one. I think what's going to launch off here this week with MOPS and so many of you who are either involved in that ministry by leading young women or your young woman herself leading your peers. It's like one of the happiest moments at the church for me when all the moms and kids are on campus on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I, I know so many of you who tutor, who give up a couple hours of your life a week to be with at-risk youth and children. And that's a demonstration of the teaching of Jesus and the action of Jesus in your life showing up. I can think just even right now what's going on in the warehouse with high school students. I can count a numerous high school students who we met, who are now part of our family at this church, who we met through the foundation. And they have small group leaders and friends and they go to camp and they love God because, why? Because there was a church here who said, we're not just going to be all talk. We're going to throw some actions behind that. But friends, the challenge for you and I is to continue to live in a way that our words and our actions demonstrate the authority of God to this world. Finally, I want to encourage you and I that we have a responsibility to move the movement forward. Right? When the authority of God shows up in words and actions, you and I get an opportunity to be a part of that movement. I want to challenge you to think about what that means for you. What it means for me is very different than what it means for many of you. And I think about a friend of mine in this church who works in downtown Los Angeles. And, and he has spent many days praying and thinking about how he can bring Christ in his office. He's done things like people come early to be a part of a book club or a Bible study. He's now got all of his efforts on helping his colleagues and employees actually be able to leave work during the day to go volunteer at nonprofit ministries and companies throughout the downtown Los Angeles area. See, that's somebody who says, the authority of Jesus shows up in my life and I have a responsibility to move the movement forward. There's a, a classic story that I love to tell. This happened years ago here. Young middle school girl, part of our church, realized that everyone didn't like the principal at her school and that her friends and peers would say some very difficult things about this principal at her school. Well, she showed up at church one day, and, and I think it was in Ephesians, right, that don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only it was beneficial for those who listen. And she, as a, as a place of action, goes, well, I'm just thinking of my principal, who time after time is kind of ridiculed or made fun of. So Sunday after church, she penned a quick note to her principal apologizing for taking part in that, letting her know she was going to change her attitude and pray for her, and that she learned this lesson at church. Very short. 
She turned it in that Monday. She got called into the principal's office. Principal shows her the note and said, who told you to write this? And the girl's like, I just went to church. Like Jesus kind of told me to do it. Right? Principal started crying. So she had never heard words like that in her whole life. That principal now had come to this church for a while, is now moved away, but she's a follower of Jesus. Why? Because there was a sixth grade girl who said, I'm going to move the movement forward. You and I get to be a part of moving the movement forward. And when we live that way, it is so good. I just have to admit to you, I I can't think of anything more boring than just coming to church. Like if it was all about all of our energies just to get here and to listen, and that was the, the thing that defined our relationship with God, that just seems really unfulfilling to me and pretty boring. And the truth is it's not how you and I were intended to live. We were intended to live in the way that God and through Jesus now kind of allows us to partner with him and this authority that we see in Jesus with his words and actions. You and I, when we follow Christ and the spirit lives in us, you and I have an opportunity to bring that authority to the world. We have an opportunity to bring that kind of healing and restoration and peace to a world that is messed up. And God has given each one of us very specific places to move the movement forward. Believe it or not, today, when you leave here and go to lunch or to brunch, the way you interact with the waiter at that restaurant is an opportunity to move the movement forward. The way that you and I respond today to that really terrible, annoying driver who cut us off, that is an opportunity for you and I to move the movement forward. When our neighbors pull in and we want to rush in the house because we don't want to get caught in conversation, that's an opportunity to move the movement forward. You and I get chances and moments all day long to move the movement forward. And when we tap into that, it is a powerful and profound and good way to live. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you because I know so many of you are doing that. But let's do it all the more. Friends, I told you I would never, I would never pick this text. But I'll tell you, this text is powerful. It's powerful because Jesus demonstrates and shows his power throughout it. And maybe, wait, may we be reminded this morning that we know a God and serve a God who shows his power and his authority in his teaching and in his actions. In verse 15, it's really interesting. When Jesus is baptized, it says the kingdom of God is going to be established through him. And I think this is a moment where the kingdom of God is established. Where Jesus says this new kingdom, it's going to be defined by a different way of living, a different way of learning and living. And it's not a kingdom that starts when we die. It's a kingdom that starts right here, right now. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. We are so thankful that... We are so thankful, God, that we can see the power and authority of yourself through Jesus Christ in these passages. I pray very simply for each one of us, myself included this week, that our words and our actions would line up and demonstrate to this world the power and authority of you in our lives and you in this world. Help us, God, to move our movement, your movement forward to this world that desperately needs it. May we find encouragement from a sixth grade girl 
from a businessman downtown L.A. May we look for opportunities to move it forward and live a vibrant, exciting life with you. Amen.